Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss supply chain of fools, the increase in supply chain attacks targeting MSPs. Next up, fish out of water, a novel type of fishing attack. And of course, our fun game, two truths and a lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 121, recorded on May 16th to 2022. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. Time flies when you're having pun, LaBelle. With me, your co-host, Taylor. Don't at me, bro. Wilkes Pierce. And last but not least, Tim. Five eyes are watching you. Helming. Um, Tim, did I... Did I allude to that well enough? Oh, I, you know, Daryl and John would be proud. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so right before we jumped on to start recording, we were discussing a really important phone number for everybody to have, which is um, referred to as Colin Oates. Um, and so it's a hotline <laughs> um, with the number 719-266-2837 or 719 719- Seven one nine two six oats, um, and it's a, a a little computer generated voice asks you to pick your pick your favorite Hall and Oats tune, and then it will it'll play it for you. See, it's just proof that some of the robots are friendly. <laughs> so that's your tip of the day. Um, <laughs> good yeah, to give out eighties eighties rock and roll song reference that is not eight six seven five three zero nine. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to start using that when I need to fill out information. I'm going to start putting the the call notes number. Just That's at least when idea. people are denied, you know, they're denied something, they'll they'll get a, a fun opportunity to listen to happy music. <laughs> That's more interesting than the uh, automated pilot information loop tape number that I always provide in those sorts of situations. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Taylor, do but, you have a But favorite? if you want to know what the weather is at Boeing Field at any given time, then, you know, you're in luck if I've filled that out <laughs> on your form. Taylor, do you have any favorite spoofed numbers that you like to leverage? Um, well, there is a, not really a number, um, but can we pause really quick? Hang <clears> on. <throat> uh, yes. Sorry. I recognize that if I see it, it is a Windows XP authentication code. <laughs> Oh, hang on. I'm just going to leave this in the podcast. <laughs> no. No. I see. It shows up on Twitter from time to time. And I recognize it every single time. But it was the, like, <laughs> this old Windows XP key that was given out. I It came to me as part of a computer lab <laughs> in, in college. Uh, and it was just written on the Windows XP CD. And but uh, so and you, then, you put it in what what field do you put that in in these forms? Uh, it's when you, it's the authentication key. No, no, no. I know, key. but I, I, but you were using, you were saying that you use it as like, we were talking about putting, we don't want to put our own phone numbers in when we're registering for, you know, prize giveaways or whatever. And uh, so we put in those phone numbers we were talking about. And I, I thought you meant that you like use this old Windows XP uh, <laughs> activation yeah. key in some random field. Like, I don't know, you're building a dress. That, no, that would be funny if I did. No, no, just for whatever reason, like bo- like boilerplate thing, uh, numbers and codes just ah. 
brought yeah. that to mind. Um, but as far as numbers for entering things here, let me, I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> I just put in the domain tools, corporate phone number for everything. <laughs> Even your personal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Why they, not? They can reach me there most likely. That explains some strange voicemails I've been receiving. I was going to say, our, our people don't <laughs> mind retrieving those voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, let's let's talk about our first article for the week here, which is Supply Chain of Fools. So last week, members of the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance warned managed service providers, or MSPs, as I refer to them in the intro here, and their customers that they're increasingly targeted by supply chain attacks. Um, So this news comes from Five Eyes, not to be confused with the delicious burger joint, Five Guys. Tim, maybe to start, can you give us a brief overview of what Five Guys has on their, I mean, of what, uh, a brief overview of who this group is? Excellent point. Yeah, because I'm sure that people mix these up all the time and, and get themselves into very awkward situations when they call <laughs> their phone number. Uh, you know, five guys, can I help you? Yeah, I wanted to find out more about that advisory on Azerbaijan. Uh, sir, this is a five guys. <laughs> it just makes me think of the office every time when Michael Scott, this is like completely inappropriate, forces everyone to provide him with like a date, a blind date referral. And... <laughs> And Kevin gives him a number and he calls, he's like, Wendy's Juicy Redhead. And he's like, hi, uh, my friend Kevin gave me your number. She's like, sir, this is a Wendy's restaurant. (laughs) So that, you know, I've seen that people put that all the time in in memes and stuff on social media. I did not remember that the origin of that was the office. So there you go. It's it's contributed so much to our culture. But anyway, (laughs) so five eyes is an intelligence cooperative of sorts between the U.S., Great Britain, Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. Clearly, we can tell who's the weakest link in terms of soccer or football, I should say, among these nations. But when it comes to threat intelligence, uh, each of them brings a pretty strong game. So the origin story is interesting. If Wikipedia is to be believed, which is something I'll leave up to each listener on their own, uh, this Five Eyes Association, quote, can be traced to informal secret meetings during World War II between British and American codebreakers, which started before the U.S. formally entered the war, followed by the Allies' 1941 Atlantic Charter that established their vision of the post-war world, end quote. And uh, on it went from there down to this very day. And this alliance is in some ways very James Bondy, complete with a lot of acronyms like Echelon and PRISM, both of which describe uh, extensive electronic information gathering capabilities that have been considered controversial at various times and uh, by various people, but nonetheless have provided a large amount of national security intelligence for all of the countries involved. Thanks, Tim. And this isn't the first advisory Five Eyes has been issued. Is that right? No, hardly. I mean, because if you think about that rich history that I was mentioning over all those decades, you know, there have been lots of bulletins from Five Eyes efforts over the years. But, you know, if we do, if we want to narrow it down, like to for this story to manage service providers in the cyber realm, even on that score, there have been bulletins going back to at least 2017, if not further, uh, which address some of the specific things that affect uh, managed service providers and their customers. I like this idea of the cyber realm. Um, 
I can't say I've ever participated in Dungeons and Dragons. Definitely not against it. Just haven't been in the right opportunity. But I feel like that should be a part of that game. But that's just a, a personal feeling. I mean, between the cyber realm and then with all this uh, Five Eyes and Echelon and Prism and all that stuff, I mean, some there's got to be a... Uh, a extinct volcano underground laboratory in the middle of the ocean somewhere where a lot of this stuff is happening, I assume. <laughs> the only explanation. It's only natural. Kelsey, you need yeah. to roll for initiative right now. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds great, and I would like to do that. <laughs> Lairs, realms, and extinct volcanoes. Uh, all of it's good. Very Just need cool. a white cat, too. <laughs> So, Tim, how exactly are they defining managed service providers in the advisory? Yeah, so let's go full acronym soup, alphabet soup today. Why not? So I'm going to quote again, uh, this time from CISA. There's another acronym, the Cyber, uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. So for the purposes of this bulletin, MSSPs are, or MSPs are, quote, Entities that deliver, operate, or manage ICT services and functions for their customers via a contractual arrangement such as a service level agreement, end quote. And so you notice there was another acronym to expand in their ICT, which stands for Information and Communications Technology. So essentially IT, right? But, um, but it's the government, so they added that extra C in there, uh, your tax dollars at work. Uh, but everyone who's familiar with managed service providers who is a listener to this podcast will know uh, what these MSPs are. And a lot of them are, in fact, MSSPs, where the second S stands for savings. I'm just kidding. It stands for security. But <laughs> So let's look at what the advisory here is actually warning about. Um, so for folks who are less familiar with how MSPs or their more specialized versions, MSSPs work, it's applicable to both. Think about it this way. If you're outsourcing IT services, then you are, by definition, putting a whole heck of a lot on the line in terms of trust with the provider you've hired. So they typically need access to just about everything that communicates electronically in your environment. Uh, in fact, for many shops, especially smaller ones, these MSPs essentially define the environment, right? So they design and build and maintain and upgrade and oversee it. And any given MSP, depending on its size, could have from a small handful up to hundreds of individual customers where customer is a company, not an individual. So it's pretty easy to see how if the MSP gets compromised, then whoever did that potentially has access to vast amounts of data and communications, you know, across these potentially dozens or hundreds of companies. And so the supply chain in this uh, case is this whole, uh, not just software supply chain per se, like SolarWinds uh, as an example of part of the supply chain delivering services, but the whole uh, chain of trust of the managed service provider as well as all of the uh, software and hardware, et cetera, that they uh, provide. So uh, I'm going to quote again, uh, right at the top of the advisory, what it says is going on here is, quote, the uh, cybersecurity authorities of the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the United States, which... Uh, and it, they give which agencies in each of those for even more alphabet soup that I won't go into. Anyway, continuing the quote, are aware of recent reports that observe an increase in malicious cyber activity targeting managed service providers and expect this trend to continue. So there you have it. 
Oh, gosh. Well, well said, Tim, and thank you for <laughs> defining um, all of those acronyms. They're, like you said, and we've talked about many times on this podcast, they are they are abundant here, so it's helpful to, to make sure everybody's level set in what we're talking about. So uh, just a few more questions for you, but is there any indication of how um, Five Eyes discovered these threats? Don't you find that now you have to like be really careful and say, I want to make super sure I don't say Five Guys when I mean five eyes here, so. What the audience doesn't know is we edited out us saying five guys about a hundred times. I know, the magic episode. of digital editing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so how did they discover these threats? Well, uh, with a bunch of those James Bondy acronyms, no doubt, that must have been how they did it from the operations center deep in that uh, undersea volcano. But as usual for these sorts of things, there's not a huge amount of detail on exactly how they learned uh, what they did about this activity. But there is a clue in the acknowledgments where they give a shout out to SecureWorks, which if you're not familiar, SecureWorks is an MSP. They were bought by Dell a while ago, then they went IPO again uh, on their own, although still with Dell as the majority owner. Um, SecureWorks itself is one of the biggest managed service providers on the planet. So undoubtedly, they're seeing a lot of this activity in their own SecureWorks networks, as well as the networks that SecureWorks is providing and maintaining, et cetera, on behalf of their customers. And they did the right thing here by going to the intelligence community and reporting up some of what they're witnessing, you know, much of which obviously would be redacted for something like this public advisory. Excellent. Thank you, Tim. And I really have one last question here before we shift into our hoodie ratings, which is what are some actions that uh, managed service providers and their customers can take uh, before ideally or, or unfortunately, during these situations to mitigate risk. Yeah. So, you know, here's where the magic of digital editing comes into play also, because I can just copy and paste in my response from some of the previous stories we've done, right, which itself was a copy and paste of earlier ones. No, I don't really do that. But guess what? It's a lot of the same things that we always see in these situations. So anytime a CISA advisory comes out, you should already be working on pretty much all the things they're going to recommend, such as prevent initial compromise by securing uh, vulnerable devices and locking down access and patching, et cetera. Uh, another one is beef up your logging and monitoring. Another one is enable multi-factor auth, apply least privilege everywhere. I think we talked about that last time. Uh, deprecate obsolete accounts, have awesome backups where awesome means robust and to whatever extent possible isolated from where a compromise can come and infect the previous backups. So all things uh, that, you know, MSPs need to be doing uh, the things that they already should be doing, just doing them better. And I got to say, it's probably pretty frustrating in some ways for them to be told that, uh, told what you have to do, which is what you're already doing, and you're stressed out enough about trying to do that well. And, and but at the same time, you know, you can't really fault SZA here for saying it, they'd be remiss if they didn't. So, the key thing here, if you're an MSP, uh, is really the takeaway, I think, is just knowing that it's been observed that these things have ramped up. And frankly, if you weren't aware of that already, you aren't doing it right. So, you know, just part of the world that we're living in. But, um, you know, certainly all of the right recommendations from CISA can't fault them for any of those. Yes, indeed, Tim. A lot of uh, similar responses to that question and always good for us to to remember the basics to, to some degree. So thanks for the reminder there. And let's get into our hoodie readings. So for those who are tuning in for the first time or have forgotten how this works, 
Say rating from zero to 10. 10 is very, very bad. Zero is pretty neutral. Water cooler talk. Um, and the hoodies are meant to be representative of the cliche of a, um, a hacker. So how many defenders would it take essentially to solve the problem? So Taylor, I'm going to have you rate this advisory here. What, what would you put this at, hoodie rating wise? Uh, you know, <laughs> I feel like the MSPs should have already known that they're a high profile target. Like it's from an attacker's side, you think like, well, should I spend time trying to compromise one target at a time or should I go and roll up like 50 or 100 of them inside the management plane of an MSP? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be um, some some cost benefits there going to the second route. Uh, but, you know, the, the upside is like, hey, this is a spot where folks can circle the wagons. And if they are up on their security practices, you know, defend a lot of organizations with a lot of skill uh, and talent at the same time. So, you know, it's tricky because it's like, hey, this stuff we already know that these are valuable targets. Um, three, three and a half hoodies. Taylor, which, which half of the hoodie? Um, just the bottom half. So it's about as useful as this alert. Noted. Noted. <laughs> How we get the hood to work will be interesting, but maybe the hood being on in that situation is pretty critical to keep the garment on one's body. Um, <laughs> more on that later. Tim, what would you rate this at? You know, oddly enough, this was actually one of the harder ones to think of a hoodie rating for in a while, because without knowing more of the specifics of what it is that they're observing, it's a little hard to know exactly, you know, ramped up activity. That, if that ramped up activity is really sophisticated, um, then this has a high, high hoodie rating. If it's just, you know, the noise level has gone up a little bit, but it's kind of a lot of the same kind of noise, then that augurs for a lower rating, kind of similar to, um, to what Taylor gave it. So I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it 4.5. And the reason it's 4.5 is like, it's midway between a nothing burger and there's a burger reference again, a nothing burger <laughs> and we should get really freaked out, which would be nine. I'm so reluctant to ever use a 10 that I'm going to say, let's, let's call zero to nine kind of the, the scale for this. And I'm going to put it in the middle of that. So that's, that's what got me at 4,500 milli hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, thanks, Tim, for diving into this advisory. And let's pivot over to fish out of water. So a novel form of phishing takes advantage of a disparity between how browsers and email inboxes read web domains. Taylor, 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 um, this isn't something we see every day. It looks like bad actors are flipping the script on this one. Can you talk about how this was discovered? Yeah, so this was brought to light by the folks over at Perception Point uh, at their incident response team. They found a, uh, they called a hastily designed phishing email trying to pass itself off as a Microsoft notice. They're like, hey, you have five uh, new held messages and then directing the recipient to follow a personal portal hyperlink. Uh, and that is you know, sent over to a website masquerading as an Outlook login page. 
it, you know, it, it didn't really, I don't know that it got anyone, uh, but it flew right through the email security filters, which was what was so odd. They're like, well, we sh- this is so badly done. We should have picked this up already. Um, and so they decided to start taking a look at the email link. The information is always in the email link. <laughs> yeah. So at, at the email link, uh, they discovered that the adversary had thrown an at symbol into the URL. So kind of in the middle of it. And it, it kind of threw the email scanner off. It thought, well, this is either an email address or, you know, there are a lot of uh, mail platforms that allow you to at somebody like I might plug in at Kelsey, uh, even just like, hey, maybe it's part of my message to y'all. Like, hey, at Kelsey, come go and do this. So, so like the at symbols themselves are not, you know, viewed uh, like it's kind of like allows us to start maybe ignoring a few things on either side of it. And so, you know, the breaking up the URL with the at symbol uh, it caused it to fly right through the mail filter. Don't at me, bro. <laughs> All right. So. That that makes sense. And, and let's move on to what exactly is this new phishing scheme? Yeah. And, and maybe our adversaries here just like stumbled upon it uh, and, and kind of got lucky <laughs> to get through the different gateway stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, again, throwing that at symbol in the middle of their malicious link caused the, the filter to just allow it to sail on through. And then uh, they also threw it in a bit.ly link too. So they use a link shortening service as well. Um, so kind of like two uh, shady things all together at once. Uh, two, two wrongs make a more wrong here. Um, and yeah, uh, now luckily here, they, they said that they did not trick anybody. They were, that they observed this, uh, multiple times, but nobody actually clicked on the links. Ha ha. Your dumb foolery and malarkey went nowhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what's so important about the at simple. I know you touched on this a bit already, but is there anything else that you want to surface in terms of how it works within links? Yeah. So in a uh, a browser, the at symbol can get included as part of the URL and, and allow you to log in to uh, a site. So if you put like your username, you know, at um, insert web, website here.com, uh, you know, it'll either remove that text or give you an error message. Uh, some browsers allow you to give like a username password at a server uh, and, and that works as well. Um, but yeah, the browsers, uh, you know, they'll like kind of uh, process that at symbol uh, a little bit differently for each one. Um, but, the, you know, I think in January, <laughs> Microsoft removed the feature from IE, from Internet Explorer, uh, because it made it very easy to mask malicious websites. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the, the browser thinks you're trying to log into something. Uh, the the in email inbox thinks that you're trying to notify someone on the thread and uh, everyone's kind of pointing in the wrong direction while the users click on malicious links and get sent to the page. Oh boy. Um, and Taylor, when you were talking about insert website here.com um, as a, a placeholder, I happen to go look that up. Somebody has registered insert website here com and it has potential oh, no. to be a phishing page maybe some malware uh um, right, nobody click on that <laughs> nobody link. go there <laughs> oh no don't navigate how many people are watching like a hawk to see if example.com will expire uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh boy. <laughs> oh gosh. So with this being a new find, um, do we know what the impact's been at this point? I think you mentioned they they didn't quite see anybody bite. But what would they even be looking for to see if somebody did in fact bite and take the bait, if you will? Well, in this case, yeah, you're, uh, the folks are trying to pull down the, by the way, example.com uh, expires in three months. All right. It expires October <gasps> That was our 15, little secret. Don't tell people. <laughs> there goes my retirement, uh, Taylor. It's registered by IANA. It has been since uh, 1992. Yeah, I'm so. pretty sure that even if it were to lapse somehow, they might <laughs> they be able to rest it back. <laughs> my blood type is B positive. I'm an optimist, Tim Helming. I'm waiting for this. <laughs> Just watch for it to go to drop catch. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so ultimately, yes, your adversaries are hoping someone clicks on the link, hands over credentials to, uh, in this case, it was Outlook or your Microsoft credentials. Uh, and then off they go. They're into your inbox and potentially into your system. So, um, you know, ultimately, that's what your adversaries are up to here. Uh, and they're just throwing at symbols in the middle of stuff to confuse uh, the email filters. So what can, if, if you didn't think this is necessary, security teams do to prepare for this type of attack? Let's imagine that um, they, they take this episode and it turns them into a white rage of anger and they go and they continue to tweak as most villains do and improve their malarkey. Um, <laughs> yeah. What would, what would you do to try to prevent this you know i think a lot a lot of it's gonna be on the vendor side uh you know updating detection engines to go look for urls around the app um to you know again hunt those down and see if they are potentially malicious and, and potentially block those or maybe withhold the you know block the emails from getting into folks inboxes or flagging them as spam correctly uh wherever wherever that needs to happen i think that's probably the big one um but I mean, yeah, for folks who are kind of hunting that down, looking for the URLs around that at symbol is uh, is going to be the place to go. Interesting. All right. Well, let's do our hoodie rating here and wrap this up. Uh, Tim, what, what would you put this one at? So this is a little hard to rate also because um, while on the one hand, you know, some of the examples they give are things that would be pretty easy for a user to spot. Uh, the fact that if you can um, if you can bypass some of the email filters, then there's more of a chance that you know your numbers obviously just get better, more of a yeah. chance that somebody who's a little less savvy is going to kind of click on it and um, and you're off to the races at that point. So I don't know. I, I'll say four four hoodies. This feels like a four to me. Classic four out of ten. All right, Taylor. Would you would you concur? Yeah, I might go. I might go uh, four and a half hoodies. This time, the top half from our first story is now going to do some work here uh, <laughs> in the rating here. Uh, again, I think you'll, we're likely to see it, uh, and they even mentioned that here. They're probably going to see it uh, in short order because it, it's fairly easy, right? It's nothing, nothing too magical. It doesn't require a whole lot of technical know-how or expertise. Uh, it's just, again, we see that uh, there are, our adversaries are, are going to try to leverage any trick they can to bypass that first filter. Um, you know, we see it with the delivery of 
like malicious links via like Adobe, the Adobe cloud services that we talked about a few months back, or, um, you know, folks who uh, throw random IDN characters in to craft clever, cleverer and cleverer uh, phishing links for folks. So, you know, anything that folks can do to get past that, that first filter, they'll adopt and adopt pretty quickly. So, yeah, I think four and a half feels about right at least on this side doesn't look like it looks like all the 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 end links for the users here were so bad that uh, that they avoided being fished live to not be fished another day mm-hmm. mm. excellent well thank you for for diving into that taylor i know that was kind of a unique perspective and also good to hear that um things are not completely on fire out there now that i've said that out loud though i i feared that there's a domino effect um, you that know, will impact 122. Well, they're on fire. They're definitely on fire. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but we're sitting there with our mug saying this is fine. Uh, <laughs> it occurs to me that because we always do hoodie ratings every week, we could have, we could have like our own version with Breaking Badness. We could have our own version of the, the terrorism threat scale uh, based on, you know, every week we could just average the two hoodie scores and then we should have like some we should register a domain that's just a meter and it just shows what the, what the hoodie level is for the week. And we could, we like could come up with colors or we could have numbers <laughs> like the DEF CON numbers or we should think about how we want to do that. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't even need to be an average. It'd just be like, hey, Tim, how on fire is the internet this week? And he'd be like, mm, 6.72. And I'd just be like, all right. I don't need any. We could go off the. Oh, go ahead, Taylor. Sorry, we could go off the doomsday clock. Well, it's kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah. We are three zippers to midnight. <laughs> oh my gosh! Three zipper teeth. Oh three zipper gosh. teeth to midnight. Oh man! <laughs> of a hoodie. Yeah. This just took a dark turn. <laughs> That's the internet for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll add some levity here back and finish off the show as we always do with our game, Two Truths and a Lie. And so the way this works, if this is the first time you're tuning in, is one of the hosts will come up with or or identify three headlines from the previous few weeks in the security news space and read them off. And then the other other co-hosts will actually try to discern which one is the lie. And typically there are two co-hosts that are taking this, this guess uh, and uncovering the deception, but today it's just going to be me. Uh, we're going to have a, a one-on-one, mano y mano, Tim Helming versus Kelsey. Head-to-head um, competition here head on to Breaking head. Badness. <laughs> so, Tim, are you, are you prepared to read your three articles? Oh, am I ever prepared. <laughs> All right, statement number one. Enter the dragon. Kali Linux comes out with a nifty new release with 10, 10 nifty new tools. Statement number two. (laughs) Mostly cloudy with a chance of compromise. Microsoft Azure authentication flaw being actively exploited. Statement number three. You've got a telegram. You've also got malware. Have a nice day. (sighs) Tim, you have made this very difficult and I can't be as sure about my guess, um, but 
remember hearing anything about Azure this week. Um, and that's this is the best guess I have. I just don't have any recall there. So I'm going to guess that was that the second statement is a I'd lie? like to say it's been a quiet week in uh, Redmond. Um, it hasn't been a quiet week in Redmond. They've got plenty going on as far as flaws, but they were not Azure authentication flaws as far as I know. So Kelsey, well done. A point for you. That was, in fact, the lie. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take all the points. We're in a dead heat, Tim. Is that right? I yeah. I believe it. We really are. So I'll take the points where I can get them. That's for sure. Or that's a sure. Um, excellent. Well, I think that's that might be all we have for this week. And we'll be back next week for episode 122. Whoa. Um, and then we'll be taking a, a little break for the day of Memorial. So uh, looking forward to being back here next week. I hope everyone's having a nice week. That summer's starting to hit. Enjoy that vitamin D, unless you're on the the uh, Southern Hemisphere then. Um, enjoy your winter. Or in the Pacific Northwest. Or in the but Pacific hey, Northwest. Counting. It's the 115th of January here, I think. <laughs> Sounds about right. Excellent. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Remember, don't drink and click. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.